0: North Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast. I'm Chris Schroeder. Today on the podcast, we have part four in our series on the Sermon on the Mount. This one is called Blessed are the Meek. We're going to be looking at one of the phrases that's probably most misunderstood phrases uh, in the Sermon on the Mount. Also, we've got some good stuff coming up. Fall for Art and a church picnic. So you can check out more about those at NorthShoreVineyard.org. Thanks for listening. North Shore Vineyard Church.
1: lead us in reading the Beatitudes. It should be up behind me. All right. So we're going to read Matthew chapter 5, 3 through 10. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness
0: Well, we come to part four in our series on the Sermon on the Mount.
1: <laughs>
0: Woo! <laughs> the excitement in the room is palpable. Um. By the way, can I get an outline from somebody? I, I keep... an outline that i can read i'm I'm sorry we keep having i got new ink but i don't think i shook it up enough maybe um so we we come to one of the passages in this in the uh, beatitudes which i find is probably the weirdest of the lot we've we have uh I've been dialoguing with my teaching team, and there's been a lot of silence this week because this is, frankly, a weird one. When I think of the word meek, it is not a word that I naturally find myself wanting to aspire to, right? Does does anybody... I I wish I was more meek. Um, Part of the problem is that when it comes to the word meek is that the way it's translated into English, we, we kind of miss the the actual meaning of the word just it's kind of lost in translation a bit. And so we have phrases in English I mean the only phrase I can think of with meek is uh, well she was just meek as a mouse wouldn't hurt a thing man she was just so meek and and that and and so we when we hear the word meek we just kind of think harmless, inoffensive. Maybe a doormat, you know, like somebody who just oh, ask her to do something, she'll do anything, <laughs> uh, and, and 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 so a meek person. Oftentimes, we kind of think think of them as something, someone that you can just uh, just take advantage of. And I don't think that's what Jesus was actually saying, by the way. And I think there's a lot of misunderstanding when it comes to the terms to the words of Jesus, because a lot of people see Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount. Like if you really fall him, people are just gonna walk all over you and bad stuff's gonna happen. Um, but I don't think that's the case. Actually, there are two central figures in the Bible, one from the Old Testament and one from the New Testament, who were described as being meek. Uh, probably one of the biggest characters in the Old Testament was Moses. And Numbers twelve three says this, Now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. And he wasn't even proud of that. No, it didn't say that last part. I was just adding that. By the way, <laughs> uh, the book history holds that Moses wrote that. So I don't know, you know, you got to take that with a grain of salt. <laughs> Anyone that could write that about themselves, I don't know. But okay, that's the way he's described. And then in the New Testament, it says this about Jesus, Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 and 29. Jesus is speaking. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And learn from me, for I am meek and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So here we have two of the, the, I mean, obviously, the the biggest central character in the Bible, and Moses, the probably, you know, second uh, central character. Both of these guys were uh, called meek. That was one of the attributes used to describe them. And yet... These are two people that challenged the empires of their day. Moses challenged Egypt, Jesus challenged the Roman Empire. They challenged the principalities and powers. So, whatever meekness means, it doesn't mean being a doormat, okay? It doesn't mean being, you know, milk toast, inoffensive, you know, just eh, meek as a mouse. It means something else. And to get at the meaning of meekness, I think we have to kind of see that, that actually Jesus was quoting something here. I said uh, last week that, that the first two lines of the Beatitudes were actually tied into Isaiah 61. And this passage, blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth, is, is uh, pulled out verbatim from Psalm 37. And I think if we want to find out what biblical meekness actually is, we got to look to Psalm 37 because it elaborates on this concept. We read this during worship this morning, but I'm going to read it again. Do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, and your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It only leads to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while and the wicked will be no more, but the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. You hear that? That's the quote that Jesus uh, quotes in his actual s- whoa sermon. <laughs> Ain't no meekness going on up here, man. I'm bull in a China closet. Okay. Meek is a bull. Huh? Um so there, there's a few things that we can notice about meekness in this in this passage from Psalms. Number one. A meek person doesn't fret because of those who are evil, but instead trust in the Lord. We need to hear this right now. This is a word that we need to take to heart right now. I got to tell you, I think these last couple of months have been like the worst months like for stuff in the world that I've ever seen. Um, Between Ebola and ISIS and Uh, you know, it just goes on and on, Ferguson, and then we've just got the regular old stuff, you know, corporate corruption, you know, corrupt leaders, you know, just the the -the run-of-the-mill stuff that always seems to be happening, and our tendency is that we can fret, we can become anxious because of what we see going on, we can be afraid, you know, that's why, you know, I really felt like even that song we sang today, I look at the flowers, I look at the fields. Sometimes we just need to stop and pay attention to God and know that, that, that He is in control, that, that, that we can trust Him with our lives. That's what a meek person does. A meek person trusts God no matter what the circumstances look like. Don't fret because of those who are evil. There are plenty of evil folks out there, but don't fret. Don't spit, waste your time worrying Trust in the Lord. The next part he says, trust in the Lord and do good. Have you ever noticed that when you get overcome with fear, you pull away from things? You ever notice that tendency? When you get driven by anxiety and fear and worry about the future, you begin to pull away. You pull away from relationships. You pull away emotionally. You pull away with your resources. You begin hoarding stuff because now you live in the land of scarcity. Now you're in survival mode. You're not in thriving mode. When you're in thriving mode, it's like, hey, everybody join the party. But when you are, are worried about things, you begin pulling away, hoarding your resources because you're trying to survive. Have you ever gotten overwhelmed to the point where you just you just don't do anything? A few honest people in here. You know, I, I cut off I cut cable a few years ago because I, I I'm Crispin and I was a I'm a news addict. I was supposed to say welcome Crispin. Hi Crispin. Yes. <laughs> Um, seriously, I, I don't know. Something happened. I mean, really, for me, it happened back in, on September 11th. And then it got reinforced during Katrina. And it's like I just found myself being obsessed with watching the news. I mean, I get up first thing in the morning, I turn the news on. I would come home for lunch. I'd watch the news. I would listen to the news in my car. I would check out news sites uh, when I was at work. I come home. The first thing I want to do is watch the news, and it's just like I really began to see that I was struggling with depression. I mean, like really depression, not not just like ah. Oh, I was just like really despairing. Like this world is just it's just coming apart at the seams, and so you know a spiritual discipline. And I'm not I'm not a. I'm not saying everybody has to cut their cable. This is, this is my weakness, okay? You know, if, if you struggle with, with drinking, don't get around alcohol. Uh, my, my addiction was news. And so I cut the cable because I, I knew this was a spiritual discipline that, that God was calling me into. And, and, and still, with the cable cut, I still get more news than I probably need to get. Uh, it, it's, it, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. But I would find that sometimes I would become so overwhelmed by the bad stuff in the world that I would just stop doing anything. I would get to the point where I just don't know what to do. I'm so overwhelmed. How can my life make a difference? I love what he says here. Trust in the Lord and do good. Just do good. Do good with what you've got. I think the thing that I've heard time and time again, I've had several online uh, conversations over the last few months, about the issues going on in the world today, and the thing I hear over and over again is, I feel so helpless. And what can I do about ISIS? What can I do about these schoolgirls in Nigeria? What can I do about the, the, the mess in Ukraine? I want to do something, and, and, and not doing something just makes me feel so weak and so powerless. What can you do? You can just keep doing good with what you got. <laughs> Don't be so overwhelmed by everything out there that you just freeze and you don't do anything with your life right now. If you're a mother, love your kids. If you're a father or a mother, whatever, I'm not trying to, you know. If you're a mother that works, then, then work. If, if, if you have a, a job, then do it. Do it with all your heart. Do good. Take care of the people around you do good every time you have an opportunity. Don't stop because you feel insignificant and feel overwhelmed. Trust in the Lord and do good. Secondly, or thirdly, he says, delight in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Delight in the Lord. Don't attach your happiness to your circumstances. You hear me? Don't attach. That, that's that's not. That's that's like what Jesus will say later on in this thing. He's like, you know, the wise man builds his house on the rock. Attach your happiness to the rock that is Jesus Christ. Don't attach your happiness to your four hundred one k. Don't, don't attach your happiness to the to to a political ideology. Don't attach your happiness to the economy of this world. Don't attach your happiness to to. You know, the way other people think about you. (laughs) Really. I mean, don't attach your happiness to that. When it's good, it's good. When it's bad, it's it's bad. (laughs) Attach your happiness to God. Delight in the Lord. Commit your way. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Somebody's giving me an amen, I think. (laughs) Commit your way to the Lord. Uh, as I said earlier, be still before the Lord. Be still. I, I you know, that, that song we sang this morning, uh, I, I mean, it, it, it was legit. I'm just writing down, you know, when anxieties come to take life from me, I get still and know that you won't let go. Sometimes I literally have to step away from everything and just go sit down and look at the trees. <laughs> for real. Just get still. And know that, yeah, somebody's hearing me. Hmm. No, I mean, I I literally have to do that. I have to push pause on things. And just sit down and look up at the stars, look out at the lake, and just realize that my life is held by God. That I'm connected to God. And here's the next one. Refrain from anger and turn away from wrath. Yeah. (laughs) When I see the level of hatred, vitriol, particularly on social media, concerning Muslims, concerning Democrats, concerning Republicans, concerning whatever, people are looking at the craziness of their world. They hate it. They see injustice. They see things that they disagree, and it's stewing on the inside, and it's, it's manifesting in anger and wrath. A meek person will turn away from wrath because he submitted to God. God, these things are too big for me to get. I'm going to trust you with these things. I'm going to forsake anger. I'm going to turn away from wrath. It doesn't mean that you have to deny what you're feeling. But, but I mean, honestly, I think a lot of times the, the reason that we get so angry is because we're not trusting God. <laughs> The reason we get so stewed up in anger about is because we actually think we have some kind of control of, over things, and things seem to, to be <laughs> manifesting that way, uh, that, that they're out of control. Refrain from anger and turn away from wrath. And then finally, I want to notice this, that um, this passage actually says, it would help if I had my pages in order. He will make your righteousness, your righteous reward shine like the dawn and your vindication like the noonday sun. God will vindicate you. If you follow the ways of Jesus, let me just let you know something. You will look weak. You will look foolish. I mean, if you sincerely try to follow this stuff of Jesus, I'm not just saying put a bumper sticker on your car and... (laughs) Uh, if you actually try to do this Sermon on the Mount stuff, you're going to look weak, you're going to look foolish, you're going to look powerless. But, but the meek person trusts in God to vindicate them. God, I may look stupid right now. I may look like a fool to people. People may just say that, that I'm the weakest, foolish, most stupid person. But you will vindicate me because I'm siding with you. You know, if you look at the ministry of Jesus, his ministry looked pretty weak and pretty powerless Jesus would not be invited to speak at modern conferences on church growth. You know? <laughs> I mean, he, he had a handful of disciples. Uh, every one of them turned their back on him in his worst moment. One of them actually betrayed him. Uh, you know, every time, Je- I mean, half the times when Jesus would do a miracle, he'd tell somebody, don't say anybody don't Don't tell anybody about this, you know? Modern-day church, you know, we find a miracle. We're, we're tweeting to our 20,000 followers. Look what God just did. Jesus was just totally backwards from all that. He was meek. And probably the greatest weakness that we see is Jesus hanging on the cross. What did Paul say? He says, Jesus hanging on the cross, it's foolishness. It's utter foolishness. But the foolishness of God is wiser than the wisdom of men. The weakness of God is stronger than the strength of men. And what we see is that that what this psalm talks about, God vindicating the meek, God did that with Jesus. Because even though Jesus looked weak, he looked powerless, he's hanging up there on the cross, we know that three days later, God raised him from the dead. God vindicated him. One of my favorite passages... Uh, from scripture that even inspired one of the psalms that we read today, Uh, one of the songs that we sang in worship, is Philippians 2, verse 1 through 11. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ. And now Paul is going to point us to the meekness of Jesus. Have the same mindset as Christ, who being... In very nature, God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he humbled himself. He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. You know, Jesus, as, as, I, as I say, we go through the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is the perfect embodiment of every one of these things that we see. And in this passage, we see the meekness of Jesus. Though he was God, he did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. What does this look like in the life of Jesus? Well, Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane uh, the night before he's crucified. He's sweating drops of blood because he's feeling such stress in his physical human being. Uh, body. And when he gets up from prayer, they come to arrest him. And Peter's, uh, Jesus's follower, Peter picks up a sword and he whacks off the ear of one of the soldiers coming to one of the servants of the people coming to get Jesus. What does Jesus tell Peter? He says, Peter, put away your sword. Don't you know that any moment I could call legions of angels and they could wipe these people off the face of the earth. But that's not how this thing's going down. What is that? That is, though he was God, he did not play the God card right there. He faced the enemy as a man. And God vindicated him. God vindicated him. God took something that looks so weak, powerless, foolishness. Jesus hanging naked on a cross, offering forgiveness to the ones who put him there. And God vindicates Jesus. Can we trust that the same God that vindicated Jesus will vindicate us, no matter how weak, foolish, powerless we look in this world? Can we trust our lives to God's hands? I read this quote from Martin Luther King this last week, and I love it. It says, Martin Luther King said this, he said, Jesus understood the difficulty inherent in the act of loving one's enemy. He realized that every genuine expression of love grows out of a constant and total surrender to God. Jesus knew this love and enemy stuff, it ain't easy. (laughs) See, our temptation with the Sermon on the Mount is to look at it one of two ways. In one way, we get inspired by it going, Lamb, that was great, Jesus, awesome message, inspirational, I loved it. And then we just kind of push it off to, like, it's great, but it's, I mean, nobody can really do that stuff. Come on, Jesus. I mean, that's like for the kingdom come, right? <laughs> the other way to look at this is, is that we make it a whole bunch of laws. Jesus gave us a whole bunch of new rules to follow. Have you ever seen somebody trying to be humble? <laughs> it's, it's gross. It's just, it's sad, you know? I mean, there was actually people, if you read church history, there were people that did horrible things to themselves trying to be humble. I read the story of this guy who sat up on a platform 30 foot in the in the air, and he sat up there for years in the deserts of Egypt, and he had maggots growing on his his arms from, from the ropes that he was tied there with. And he would have somebody shovel up, you know, bring a, a, a pail of food up every day and, and bring down a pail of other stuff, uh, and he would actually take these maggots off of his, his wrist and he would, he would, uh, instead of killing them, he's like, you know, just, you know, here, receive the blessed flesh that God offers to you. I mean, awful stuff. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have shared that this morning. That's gross. It was not in my notes, by the way. Okay. (laughs) One of those moments where, uh, Martin Luther, Martin Luther, not the king, uh, Martin Luther uh, from the Reformation. I mean, he was one of these guys that was a, a self-flagellationist. Self-flage, you know, people would actually beat themselves trying to be humble. You know, thinking that that, please God, I'm a worm, and God, you know, I'm just... That's not what God... That doesn't make happy. We make God happy. We can't look at the Sermon on the Mount as just rules that we have to follow. Rather... These are the manifestation of a life that is totally submitted to God. If you try to love an enemy in your own strength, I've tried to do it before. It's like trying to be humble. You know, <laughs> it just you know, the day you feel humble, then you start getting proud of how humble you are. You know, um, if you try to love your enemies based on your own strength, it's impossible. It's unattainable. But when you're completely submitted to God, it's the actual fruit of your life. You with me? It's like Martin Luther King said, that, 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 that this, is, this is actually the result of a person who is completely and wholly submitted to God. Meekness is about simply trusting our lives to the care of the good shepherd, even as Jesus trusted himself to his Father in heaven. God, no matter what the world looks like right now, no matter what I look like to other people, no matter the circumstances, I will trust you with my life. Now let's turn for a moment to the actual blessings that are linked to this. N.T. Wright, New Testament scholar, uh, writes this. Blessing is not primarily about what God promises to do to someone. It is primarily about what God is going to do through someone. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In other words, when God sets up his sovereign rule on earth as it is in heaven, it's the poor in spirit through whom he will do it. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. In other words, when God wants to sort out the world, to put it to rights once and for all, he doesn't send in tanks as people often think he should. He sends in the meek. And by the time the high and mighty realize what's happening, the meek, because they are thinking about people other than themselves, have built hospitals, founded leper colonies, looked after orphans and widows, and not and not least, founded schools, colleges, and universities to supply the world with wise leaders. I love that. The the, the simple people who are just simply submitted to God and are not getting caught up in fighting for this thing or that thing or protesting or whatever, they're just simply trusting the Lord and doing good with what they have. They are miles ahead of the powers of this world. And this is the type of people that God wants to exercise his rule and reign in our world through. The meek. Now, in the Old Testament, uh, there's no doubt that the, the people who would have heard these words of Jesus, they would have tied this uh, very much to the actual promised land. Uh, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the land. That's the way they would have heard it. Um, but I think as with many things that we see in the Old Testament, you know, in light of Jesus and the cross and the resurrection, we see that, that this, this land uh, becomes a much bigger deal. That what began as the promised land, the holy now, now the whole world is the holy land in the coming of Jesus. Now there's not anything special about one little piece of real estate on planet Earth uh, that everybody's fighting over. Now actually the whole world is the promised land. And we can see this uh, even out of Genesis 12. When God calls Abraham to follow him, God says, Abraham, I want you to follow me to a place that you don't know, and I'm going to do something awesome in you. Well, Abraham was the first meek guy. He's like, okay, I'm going to trust you. I don't know where you're taking me, but I'm going to trust you. <laughs> and, and, and God says, Abraham, uh, I'm going to bless you. In fact, I'm going to do so much in you that all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. All the nations through what I'm going to do through you. So what we see in the Abrahamic covenant covenant is that God says, I'm going to bless you so that you will be a blessing. And the same way, this is where the promises, the blessings of these, these passages come. God doesn't want to just bless you just to say how much he loves you. He actually wants to move his plans forward of redeeming the whole world through you. Scott McKnight writes this about the first three Beatitudes. He says, If we put these first three Beatitudes together, we find Jesus blessing the oppressed and the poor for their powerful trust in God, their willingness to wait on God for justice in the kingdom, and for their devotion that runs so deep they mourn over the conditions of Israel and implicate themselves in the causes of that condition. These are the sort of people... That are and will be in the kingdom, so this morning, I, I know if you're like me, I struggle with I struggle with the stuff going on in our world today. I struggle with with being so overwhelmed sometimes that I just do nothing or just want to escape. I mean really. I mean, sometimes it's just, it's just easy to throw ourselves into escapist pursuits just because we're so overwhelmed by stuff out there. But I want to close today just with uh, three verses from Psalm 131. And I believe that this is a great picture for us to hold in our hearts this coming week and to return back to. Psalm 131, O oh O Lord, My heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul. Like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. I love that picture. You know, we've got kids oftentimes who get dropped by in children's church. Who um, are not weaned yet. And it's a very traumatic experience. <laughs> because they don't want to go back there. Because as soon as they see mom walking away, they see they see dinner <laughs> and security. They see all that walking away and they're terrified. They're anxious. And and this, this this verse says, My soul is like a weaned child. If you see a child that has has been weaned, uh they're okay with their mom. They can just sit there. They're not looking at mom as as groceries. (laughs) There's not this anxiety over the next meal. They can just simply be. And I just want to close with that picture that that this week we could just uh, come back to this verse and say, God, this stuff over here, it's too big for me. It's it's, it's way beyond my... uh, my education. It's way beyond my wisdom. Let me be like a weaned child that can just be with you. Just be at rest in you today. Help me to trust you with my life and to do good with what you've given. Why don't you stand? Lord, we thank you this morning for your word to our lives, God. I pray for each one of us here that, Lord, where there is anxiety, where there's fear, trepidation about the future, Lord, that we could let go of those things and trust you, God. Lord, I pray for those that are struggling with anger, wrath. Uh, God, you would help Help us to turn to you, God, and to forsake those things. Lord, we trust you with our lives. We trust you as the one who will vindicate us, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to invite the prayer team up here. If you would like some personal prayer this morning, just feel free to come up here. Otherwise, we'll see you next week. Bye. comfort in the midst of grief through God's presence and through the comfort of others? Secondly, where is God inviting me to comfort others? And what kind of comfort is God calling me to give others at this time? As we come to the communion table this morning, I just want us to you might just want to sit there for a few minutes and reflect as Zach and Faith sings. And when you when you we're not going to do this in a terribly organized fashion. We, this may be the last time we ever do it this way. But, but I just want you to come up whenever you feel compelled to. And you don't even have to come up if you don't want to this morning. But let's do this from a place. We approach the, 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 the broken bread, the cup, that symbolize God's entering into our sufferings with us. And as we receive comfort and communion from this God... Let's listen to where he he invites us towards others.